Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you, Andy, for that setup. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at River Glen. And uh, we have just wrapped up, last weekend we wrapped up our summer series, which can only mean one thing. And that means the fall is here and it's upon us. And I know the calendar still says that it's summer, but let's face it, it's fall. Kids are back in school from grade school to college, and fall can be a great time of year. There's a lot of things that are beginning. At River Glen, we kicked off last Wednesday night our junior high ministry. It's called The Edge, and if you're a junior high student or a parent of a junior high student, you're going to want to make sure that you're here on Wednesday nights because it's a lot of fun. And then this weekend, we just saw Andy up on the screen here. He's got the high school students, they're out camping, and they're kicking off Slife. That's the high school ministry. They're beginning that this weekend with a camping trip. And I talked to Andy before he left, and he told me, he said, John, this weekend is going to be intense. Camping, intense. No one laughed last night. No one's laughing this morning. Second service is going to hear the same thing. How... How about this? Last weekend, college football kicked off, right? Badgers are 2-0. Right, thank you. Badgers are 2-0. Today, at the end of the day, the Packers are going to have the best record in the NFL. The Brewers, 15-2 over the Cubs last night in the playoff hunt, right? There are a lot of good things going on. But let's be honest here for a minute, because it's a preference. Show of hands, how many people like the summer better than the fall? In the summer, you get all the cool holidays. You get Memorial Day, 4th of July, Labor Day. How about fall? Who likes fall better? Wow. In the fall, you get like Columbus Day. (laughs) As a summer person, I am a summer person, and the thing I struggle with most in the summer is it passes by so quickly. You blink your eyes and it's over. And I know a lot of cool things happened this last summer. I know Summerfest turned 50, right? We had this great solar eclipse, kind of in Wisconsin. It was great. And there's all sorts of parades and there's all sorts of festivals. But this past summer, I can only tell you specifically what I was doing on three days. And the first day I remember, it was June 15th, and I know what I was doing on June 15th, because I was at the US Open with Andy. Andy's in the center here. He's our drummer this morning. He invited me along with his family, and we went up to the US Open. On July 5th, I can tell you what I was doing, because on July 5th, Kelly and I finally moved in to our new condo. And then the last day, I can tell you what I was exactly doing. It was August 26th. It was just two weeks ago. And I participated in a one-day event called RAW. And RAW stands for Ride Across Wisconsin. And it also describes how you feel at the end of the day. So I want to talk about this ride for a minute. First of all, I'm not crazy because when I signed up for it last November, I was of sound mind and body. And in the moment... It really seemed like, yeah, let's ride across Wisconsin in a day. It sounded like a great idea. And so I committed to doing this. I committed to it financially, physically, mentally. And I spent the winter months doing cycling-specific exercises. I began my training right away. I spent hours and hours all winter long riding on my indoor bike. And then when the spring and the summer came, I had a training program that just increased my volume and ramped up the distance as I rode. And the reason why I did this is not only did I want to finish that ride, but I wanted to finish that ride strong. Most of the training that I did for RAW was solo. I was doing it all by myself, with the exception 
Every Tuesday night this summer, I went down to a local bike shop. I got together with a bunch of other cyclists, and we would go for this 25-mile ride. And if you don't know a lot about cycling, you should, um, but that's a secondary point. But in cycling, when you're riding with a group, the group is always faster than an individual because you take turns leading up front. The person, the people on the front, they're doing the majority of the work, they're cutting through the wind, and everybody else behind them is in this slipstream, and you're just drafting, and you're taking it easy because someone else up front is working hard. And then you switch, someone with fresh legs go up, and so it's just this whole, total rotation, and as you get this draft thing going, you're going further and faster, and that's important in cycling. And so in cycling, a small group makes a big difference. Well, just like in cycling, in life, small groups make a big difference. Next weekend, we're going to start our our fall series. It's called Life on Mission, and the subtitle is God's People Finding God's Heart for the World. The book is written by Tim Harlow. He's a pastor in Illinois. He's going to be up here in two weeks, and he's going to give the weekend message. And we've got books, and we've got study guides available. I'm pointing out to the Welcome Center. You pick those up on your way out of here today because our goal for this series that all of us, the goal is that all of us would join a small group. And I know that that's a tall order, but we are doing absolutely everything we can to make this happen. And now I know as soon as I mention small groups, I know some of you are thinking the same thoughts that I used to think, and these thoughts pop into your head. And the first one is, I don't need to be in a group because my faith, my relationship with God, my spiritual life, it's between me and God. And small groups were never part of any church experience that I've had in the past. But here's what we're going to look at today, and here's the thing. Following Jesus Being connected to Jesus, it was never meant to be a solo sport. It was never meant to be an individual pursuit. And so today, I'm going to show you, I hope, why it's really important that you join a small group. Now, the second thing some of you might think is, I don't want to be in a group. Because nothing seems more awkward to you than getting together with a bunch of people that you don't know to talk about spiritual things, to talk about God's plan for your lives. And some of you are thinking it's so awkward. You're flashbacking to those high school or grade school dances where the boys are on one side of the gym and the girls are on the other side of the gym. And there's this awkward zone and nobody wants to cross that. And so when I say small groups, you're thinking there's that awkward zone. But don't let your feelings get in the way of you experiencing life in a new way because I'm hoping to show you why it's important to be in a small group. And now here's the third, and I know we can all say this, I cannot be in a small group because I am too busy. I'm too busy, right? Busy, I get it. We are all busy, but I promise you, one of the first things that you're going to discover when you get into a group, everybody in the group is as busy as you or they're busier, and it's just like we all have the same amount of time, but it's just what do we make a priority? And so I want to convince you that you do have time for a group, and it is worth your time and effort. And to do that, I want to take a look at what God says about being connected, because this need for connection, it's nothing new. It's not a 21st century church program. It's actually been God's design for us from the beginning. In Genesis, we read the creation story, and there's six days of creation, and each day ends with the same thing. God is looking at what he's done, and God says it is good. In all of creation, 
there's only one time where God looks at something and he says it isn't good. And it's not what he created isn't good, but what he does is he sees that Adam is alone. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord God said, is that good for the man to be alone? From the beginning, we are designed to be connected to, to others. And so if you have a Bible today or you want to use the Bible in the seat in front of you, we're going to take a look at Acts chapter 2 this morning. We're going to take a look at verses 42 through 47. In Acts chapter 2, it is the very beginning of the New Testament church. And Jesus has just ascended into heaven about 60 days ago. And one thing that keep this in the back of your mind as we go through these verses this morning, everything good that happened in that early church happened in a small group. From the start of the church, groups have been a, made a big difference. So let's take a look at Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Look at what that early church did and how they acted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of the bread. And they devoted themselves to prayer. And the word used for devoted in Greek, it has a different meaning than the word devoted in English does. That Greek word for devoted, it means to do something with intense effort in spite of difficulties. If it's hard, you keep doing it. You keep on and you keep persisting. So in spite of all the difficulties that they had in that first church, they kept pressing on. And so this isn't, this isn't a set of rules, like this is how church has to be conducted. This is just how they did church in the first century. It's not till 300 years later that the first church buildings are built where church actually becomes a destination. Before 300 years, before that, church was just where you are. It was who you were with, and you just did church all the time. And in small groups, that first century church, they experienced mutual encouragement, mutual support, mutual accountability, and mutual growth. You see, when we're off on our loan, when we're isolated by ourselves, we are generally not the best version of ourselves. And we're reminded of this in Scripture throughout the Bible. And take a look. You know, we won't pick on David too much this morning, but King David in 2 Samuel verse 11. Let me paraphrase this. It's the spring of the war. It's the time when kings go off to war. David sends out his army, but he remains in Jerusalem. So David's not where he's supposed to be. He's not where he should be. He's alone. He's tempted. And he stumbles. In order for small groups to make a difference in our lives, others have to have access to us because others need us and we need others. That early church, if we look and we see how those Christ followers lived in groups and how they operated, they broke bread in their homes. They ate together. They prayed together. They shared life in community. And we can see at least four ways 
that they did this. See, the early church, they've got this wholehearted devotion to God, but you can't miss the part that they're also devoted to one another's. The first thing is spiritual growth. Spiritual growth happens in small groups. Let's take a look at that verse from Acts again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So notice this pursuit Their devotion, it's not an individual thing. They're doing it together because the early church knows that the relationship with God, that relationship is not something they should pursue on their own. And so they knew to learn together. They knew to spend time together. And that's what fellowship is. They celebrated communion with one another. They prayed for one another. And so when we look at those components, when we look at teaching and we look at prayer and we look at fellowship and we look at eating together, that's the same stuff that happens today in our 21st century small groups. In small groups that I've been part of, I have witnessed and seen God's power and amazing ability firsthand. I have watched people accept Jesus as Lord of their life in small groups. I've seen the Bible come alive for people in ways it never would have on their own. I've seen entire small groups get baptized because they were in the context of small groups, because they learned together. One of the first small groups that Kelly and I were ever in, this is over 25 years ago, we did a study called Experiencing God. And to this day, I remember the people we were in that group with. I remember what we studied, and I still try to apply those teachings to my life every day. Let's hear from someone else who's also had this firsthand experience of growing in the context of small group. Here's Bill. My name is Bill. I've been coming to River Glen since March 15th, 2014. It's difficult for me to separate small, the small groups from my overall experience at River Glen. After two weeks about of coming to River Glen, I was asked to join a men's Bible study by a man I consider a friend. Even though I was self-conscious and unsure, I didn't even consider declining that offer. Because if I wanted to get this Christian thing right, I had to learn from people who knew more than I did. You know, if I wanted what the people in this building have, I had to do what they did. And joining that Bible study group started paying dividends almost immediately. Not only did I begin to understand the story of the Bible, almost as importantly, there were familiar faces when I walked into the building. The folks in my small groups have helped me make Jesus Christ more important in my life and talked me through innumerable questions. Uh, Beyond that, they've prayed for me. They've helped me through some very difficult situations. In fact, that uh, men's Bible study created a team that won the inaugural River Glen trivia night. My small groups have become my social circle. Yeah, isn't that a great story? I like what he said. He said, if I want to be like them, I have to know what they know. And in order to do that, I have to join a small group. Well, the second way that small groups impact us is physical needs are met in small groups. Let's continue on with our verses. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 
Now, this isn't, they weren't forced to sell their property and give to the poor. They weren't forced to do this. This wasn't a cult. In the first century church, though, they were just willing to make these decisions to make sure that everybody's physical needs were taken care of. What does that look like in our world today? It, it, it can be simple things. It can be running errands for maybe someone who's sick or can't drive anymore. It could be mowing your neighbor's lawn. It could be snow blowing because they're physically unable to right now. It, it might mean making a, fee, a meal for a family that's dealing with a crisis. Five years ago, my son Nathan was in this bad freak accident, and he had to have emergency surgery. And he's all good now. Everything's good. But in that moment, as parents, we were obviously crushed, heartbroken, not knowing what to do. And it was members of our small group who came to the, church, or came to the hospital, and they prayed with us. They offered meals. They made sure that we were being taken care of. See, it's not easy to meet the needs of other people when we sit in groups. You have people sitting next to you. Most of us sit in the same seats every weekend. And you have people sitting next to you each weekend where they have needs you could meet. But because we never have these meaningful conversations, you're not aware of those needs. Because what happens in church, I sit and I look at the back of someone's head, and then they look at the back of someone else's head. But we're in, when we're in groups, we look at each other in the eyes, and we can hear what their needs are, and they can hear what our needs are, and then we can meet those needs. Let's take another look at a video. This one's from Dan. Hi, I'm Dan. I've been going to River Glen for quite a while since um, just before they moved from the Waukesha West High School to the new facility. We've been doing uh, small groups since about 2003 when River Glen introduced a Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. Since then, we've grown the group a little bit and then back down and we're down to a core group of eight people. During the years that we've been together, we've done different uh, things for each other uh, to help meet some each other's physical needs. Uh, I've had issues with my back and stuff. We've also gone outside of the group and done different things. We've, we've, we helped a, a person that had a, a family that had back trouble and was, had a lot of financial problems. We helped them out a little bit there. This is something that uh, we've, we try to do and, and we know it's part of God's plan. Also, I think what we do best for each other is we offer support to each other through prayers. Um, we all go, all go through tough times in life and what I get most out of it is the support. It seems to lift a burden for me a lot of times that knowing that I'm not bearing this all myself and that people are there. When, as you go through life, you have many friends that you develop, but this is something different. This is a special group for me and for anybody else in the group, I believe, that you're not going to find all over and it's something you won't want to be without. I think this is what God has created us for. Yeah, I love that line he just said. This is what God created us for. This is what we were made to do. It's not just spiritual or physical needs that are met in small groups. Emotional support is often given in small groups. Research proves that small groups make a big difference. And I love it when research proves what God has already told us to be true. 
PBS commissioned a study to better understand the relationship between relational connections and happiness. And out of the research, they produced a documentary called The Emotional Life. Here's a quote from that documentary. Researchers have found that people are happier when they are with other people than they are when they're alone. And the boost is the same for introverts and extroverts. They are also finding that happy people are more pleasant, they're more helpful, and they're more sociable. So being around other people makes us feel happier, and when we are happier, we are more fun to be around, and we're creating this upward spiral of happiness. And I love that visual. I love this image about how a small group works, how they create this upward spiral of happiness, because we've also heard about depression creating a downward spiral of happiness, a downward spiral emotionally. Groups, not being alone, this leads to that upward spiral of happiness. And that's why it says in Acts 2, those first Christ followers, they met and they had glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. But sometimes we've got things going on in our lives where we really are in a bad place and we need a lot of emotional support. And groups can also do that. Chris and Natasha shared this video with us. I'm Natasha Kostreva. And I'm Chris. We've been going to River Glen for about two years now. We started going to John Howard's small group sermon-based series on Thursday nights and quickly started to meet other people and formed our own group. In September of last year, Natasha was 26 weeks pregnant and was rushed to the hospital for an emergency C-section. Our baby boy was born at two pounds, four ounces, and fought in the NICU for four hard months. During that time, our small group was supportive of us. Um, on Christmas of last year, he ended up passing away, but during that time, our small group brought meals for us, they prayed for us, and really gave us hope that we had a fighting chance. We are so blessed to have the people that we have in our life to get us through everything we went through. Our small group has really impacted our lives here at River Glen. As a parent, I can't imagine what it would be to go through something like that. But to see that they're able to go through something like that with a group of people that surrounded them and supported them. See, small groups support us emotionally as well. And then the fourth point that I want to make this morning is that groups help us live out the mission of Jesus. It's because it's in groups. That's where the world gets to see us practice the one another's. In the New Testament, the phrase one another appears 59 times, and we're encouraged to accept one another, to serve one another, to be patient with one another, and ultimately we're to love one another. And we do that in groups. Groups make it makes the best place possible to do those one another's. That last sentence in our verses in Acts this morning, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So being on mission with Jesus, it also means we reach out. And where God leads us, we get involved and, and we serve. Megan is going to share her story. My name is Megan Cantor, and I've been attending River Glen for two years now. Just recently, a couple months ago, I joined my first small group. While we were doing our Bible study, our leader offered us to do an opportunity to serve for Habitat for Humanity. I always wanted to 
to serve. Um, and I just, I never took that step forward, but after joining my small group, I just finally went and did it. And I'm so happy that I took that step. Um, it was, it was life changing. And I loved being with my group. I loved connecting with them. I learned so much more about them, even though I see them once a week. Um, just outside of that, being with them all day and doing this together, um, they became my best friends and I became so close to them. And with myself, I grew spiritually. Um, I felt like I was doing, you know, what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to serve. He wants us to help the community. And it inspired me to want to do more. I just have this um, drive and excitement to go do more. I feel like it is an amazing experience. Yeah, I like how she said she was with this group of people and they started serving together and that group of people became friends. And she talks about how she's growing spiritually through serving. And, and, and I love the part when she said, we are doing what Jesus wants us to do. So coming to the weekend on church, it is great. We're going to learn scripture. It's going to help us grow in our faith. But when it comes to following Jesus, it's not an either or approach. It's a both and approach. It's I come to church on the weekend and then in the week I get together with a group of people to see where God wants to take us. In John 13, 35, Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He said, if you're my followers, you're my followers if you love one another. And I'm telling you that happens best in the context of small groups because we give and re receive emotional and physical support. We pray for each other and we become more like Jesus. See, loving one another, connecting with other people, that happens best in the small group. And so everything that I've talked about this morning, it, it comes down to this. River Glen is this church, this collective church. We want every one of you to be in a small group. And if you thought for a minute today that maybe I wasn't talking to you, I am. We want everybody to be in a small group. See that Acts 2 church? They represented and lived with the closeness of God that God wants all of us to live with. When's the last time in your life where you had these close relationships? Maybe back in high school you were part of a team or part of a club and you just had this great close-knit group of friends. Or, or maybe it was in college. Maybe you met some people in a dorm and you guys just hung out all throughout college. Have you never had that kind of connectivity? And I'm not saying that you're going to join a small group and right away that you're going to have the super connectivity, but I'm going to say that it can happen and it begins by taking the first step. You got to take that first step. And maybe you're thinking like I did in the past and you're like, well, I would go to a small group, but I don't know anyone. What a conundrum. You don't know anyone. You got to go meet people in order to know people. So sign up and join a group. And maybe, maybe some of you are like, John, we would really love to be in a small group, but we've got little ones and, and child care is an issue for us. Well, as a church, we've identified that that's an obstacle. And so on Mondays and Tuesday nights and Thursday nights, we provide low-cost child care to make sure that everybody can get here in a group. We already talked about, you know, the whole, I don't have time, but we all have the same amount of time. It's what do we have time for? 
right? And, and, and some of you, we, we asked you, we encouraged you to get in a small group, and you tried it once, and you showed up at this group, and we told you everyone was normal, but you got there, and they were all a bunch of weirdos. And we are so sorry we sent you. No, I'm kidding. We don't have groups that are filled with a bunch of weirdos. But, but I can get how that can happen where it's this awkward moment, and maybe it didn't work out. But, but, but being a follower of Jesus and being and living like Jesus intended us to do, it's not just a one-time effort. Remember that Greek word, devoted, to keep doing something with intensity even in the face of difficulty? If you tried groups once, I want to encourage you to just try it again and get back in a group as we go through life on mission this small this fall, this small. Small groups make a big difference. And as I prepared, I want to go back to that ride. As I prepared to ride across Wisconsin, I had some specific prayers that I was praying for leading into that ride. And I asked people to pray for these prayers for me. And the first prayer that I had is I asked God to send wind from the west because we were traveling from west to east. And God said, no, the wind was out of the east. I prayed for no mechanical breakdowns. I prayed for no physical breakdown because I wanted to finish on my bike and not in the back of the medical van. And lastly, leading into this, I prayed for a small group that I could ride with because I went into this effort alone and I know enough about riding that in order to do something like this, you gotta be connected to a group or otherwise you are in for a very, very long day. And so about 40 miles into the ride, here's what happened. You start out with a pack of six, 700 people, but it just kind of starts to string out. And at 40 miles in, the people who are faster than me, they're gone and I'm not going to catch them. The people who are slower than me are behind me and I'm ahead of them. And so I'm kind of caught in this no man's land. And I know that if I do not get plugged into a group, I'm in for a world of hurt. And about that time, I just hear this big booming voice. This guy's name was Mark. And and these three guys come up laughing and they're going to pass me. And so what I do is I just jump on their wheel and and I start drafting off them. And I'm like, hey, can I join you guys? And like, yeah, the more the merrier. And so for the next nine hours or so, for the next 135 miles, we formed this small group. And here's a picture of my small group. Yeah, these are my buddies from Chicago. Never thought I would say I had friends in Chicago. But that day, we we encouraged one another. We shared food together. Craig, he's the guy in the white jersey. He got a flat. We all helped and, and changed that flat. And we had this great experience that small group made a big difference to me. And all day long, I watched the same scenario repeat time after time after time. So we're riding in this group, and these solo riders would come up behind us, and as they would come up, I'd invite them to join us. I'd say, hey, we're working together. We're going fast. And, and, and they'd be looking at us, well, you can't be going that fast because I'm passing you. <laughs> well, here's what happened every single time. Two or three miles down the road, because we were working together in a team, we were stronger, we were faster, we would pass the same people, and they'd have this look on their face, because now we're going faster than they can ride with, and they had this look of pain, and this look of suffering, and the agony of defeat, remember that? They had this agony on their face, and so when we finished, I watched solo riders come in, and they all had the same look on their face. They were tired. They were exhausted. They looked like they were hurting. They were a little bit relieved, but they looked like they were in total physical pain. 
the people that rode in with groups, laughing, high-fiving, having fun, and just having a great time. And so I was reminded on that ride, it's not just in cycling, but in all of our lives, in all areas of our lives, small groups make a big difference. And so now here's the takeaway as I, as I wrap up our time together. In the seat back in front of you, there is a, a card, and pull out that card, and on that card, it talks about group link. Go ahead, pull it out. I'm watching. No one's moving. Pull it out. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if we don't move. Okay, so Group Link is next Sunday. It's after the 1030 service. It's in the Family Life Center. We're going to provide lunch. We're going to provide childcare. And the purpose of Group Link is you are going to walk in. You're going to meet a bunch of small group leaders. You're going to have some food. And then 45 minutes later, give or take, you're going to walk out. You're going to be connected to a group. You're going to know who your leader is. You're going to know where they meet. And you're going to know when they meet. So fill out that card Drop it in the, the offering bag as those go by. If you can't be at Group Link, there's a box where you can check, check and say, I want to get plugged in, but I can't be at Group Link. And Sue and I, we will call you up and we'll help you get plugged in to a group. If you're already in a group, then here's what you get to do. Your job is to invite someone to join you. And again, I go back to we're creatures of habits. Most of us sit in the same place each weekend, and we smile and nod at the person next to us. So just extend that offer. Say, hey, my name's John. Now use your own name. But say, my name's John. I didn't catch yours. I got the small group. We meet Wednesday mornings at 630. Why don't you check it out with us? So do that. That's your job. Now, maybe you've already got a group of people that you're hanging out with, and you're like, hey, you know what? We want to start a small group. Sue's out in the lobby. Sue Vox out in the lobby right after service here. You can go see her, and she will give you everything that you need to start a small group. See that, that early church, that first gathering of believers? They demonstrated how small groups make a big difference in all areas of life. And, and today, for many of us, we just see small groups as an option, something that we wished we had time for. But what would our lives look like? What could they look like? Instead of groups being an option, what if they were non-negotiable? What if it was like eating, breathing, working, sleeping? What if we believed that being in a group, it just wasn't, it just wasn't impossible to miss? We'd live out what we already know to be true. My wife Kelly and I, we recently moved, and we're in the early stages of building relationships with people that we've met in our condo complex. And so what we've done is we've met a bunch of people, and we're planning a potluck dinner, and the whole idea behind this dinner is let's just get these people together, ourselves included, let's hang out, let's learn each other's stories, let's have some food together, and then let's just see where it goes. And so it's our goal that that is going to be the beginning of a new small group for us because it comes down to this simple truth. We need other people, and other people need us. That's how God designed us to be. That's how the early church grows exponentially, and this can happen if we just all get in a small group, because I want to live with a community of people, a group of people who support each other when physically, they meet emotional needs, they pray for one another, and they hang out, and I want to be with a group of people that is committed to living this outwardly focused life, that know that we're on this Jesus mission, and that we should go in 
to the community. Because when we do that, that's how the numbers of believers is multiplied. God uses our efforts. And can you just imagine the impact that you can have on your friends, your family, in your workplace? As you become impacted and you start changing, you can have this ripple effect that will start changing the people around you. How many lives could be changed if you just simply joined a small group? And so I'm going to close with this thought. And the thought is this. There is a small group for every one of us. And we just have to join it. Well, in just a minute here, we're going to do what that early church did. And we're going to spend some time taking communion. And that early church, let's go back to what they did. They devoted themselves to the teaching, to the fellowship, and to the prayer, and to the breaking of the bread. That breaking of the bread comes straight from Jesus. At the Last Supper, Jesus took the bread. He broke it. He said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup and he said, this cup represents my blood poured out for you. Drink it in remembrance of me. And so when that early church devoted themselves to the breaking of the bread, they were devoting themselves to remembering who Jesus was, what he did for us, and how he wants to live our lives. In face of adversity, they devoted themselves to doing that. And so our communion at River Glen, it's open to anyone who's a follower of Jesus. If communion is new to you and you just want to let that pass you by, then maybe just spend some time reflecting on who Jesus is and what he's done. Would you pray with me? God, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come to church on the weekend and to hear your truth, to open up scripture and to take a look at how life was intended to be. God, I know we live in a world that's super crazy and that's super busy and there are so many things that can draw us away from you, that can distract us from, from you and the truth that is your son Jesus. Lord, I pray as we go, as we go from here today, Lord, I pray that you would just find room in our schedules, show us where we could make time to be plugged in, to grow in a group where we could meet needs physically, emotionally, where we can grow spiritually, God, not just for our own growth, but so that we could go out and we could impact the lives of others by the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work within us. It's your spirit, Father. It's your love that sent Jesus to earth. And in this moment of communion, God, we thank you for that and we reflect on everything that he's done for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.